Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You've endorsed more than 330 candidates this election cycle. Uh, Tonight, win or lose, the results for Republicans, um, how much of that will be because of Donald Trump? Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And here to remind you all that if this show is a hit, and it usually is, you can thank me. But if it's terrible, <laughs> blame my, the guy on the left of the Zoom camera. <laughs> uh, your name, sir? I forgot your name. That stays in People now. know who this is. No, yeah. right. no, no, thank thank you in. all for joining. My no, name is that, Nick Severi. That stays in. And that's why this show is good because of me. That's, you just heard it from the horse's mouth right there. On the program today... The dust has kind of settled after Election Day, Nick. The Democrats, the Democrats control the Senate. The House is still up for grabs, Nick and I, with the latest on everything happening. There's still votes being counted. This process is going to take weeks. Everybody had said that before Election Day on Tuesday, that don't be surprised if this thing plays out into the month of November. Nick and I will take you inside some of the states where votes are still being counted and the process will continue to play out over the next couple of weeks. Plus, later on in the program, Nick, it's time. It's time for you and I to have a serious conversation about Kyrie Irving, the latest on the NBA star's battle with his employer and telling the truth. More on that later on the program. Uh, first, I say hello to the guy who tried to sick burn me at the beginning of this program, saying that this show is all his, all his doing, or if it fails, if it crashes like the Titanic, he's Billy Zane, he's out of here. Get him with a kid in his hand. How are you doing, my friend? What's going on? I haven't talked to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. We're about to film, I think, three times this week. But this is the first time I haven't seen you in about six or seven days. How's, that, how's everything going? It's been a while. I mean, we've been just texting throughout the um, throughout election night. You know, folks, Mike does a good job of you know <laughs> reining me in as as the results are coming. You know, as we're seeing with Arizona and so many places that there's so much more information to come out. Right, currently Arizona's at 93 percent reporting. Um, you know, and, and that matters for the governor's race, right? No, but you know, in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, the family's good, we're healthy. Um, but more importantly, Pennsylvania held out strong. You know, Dr. Oz was defeated, Doug Mastriano was defeated. And again, this is not about Democrat, Republican, this is about right, wrong. We saw two candidates there that were not not the right fit. Uh, for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, so we we're quite happy here in uh, the in the Keystone State. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. With uh, again another time, you have not asked me how am I doing, 
How are you doing, Mike? What's going on in Florida? How about we try? How about we try a little empathy hold here? On. Hold on, hold on, yes. hold on. Yeah. Right, first off, we 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 I ask about you through text. No. Secondly, uh, I know you just you just teased out the some the, the part that no one needs to hear about because we know about it. How are you doing in Florida, <laughs> folks? Mike, a good friend of mine and a guy who I really no longer call a friend, but a bozo I went to college with, who Mike knows as well, are all in the great state of Florida, Mike. I don't even ask how you're doing in Florida because Florida is is what it is. <laughs> we we all know what's going on down there. Uh, my empathy though is with you and you know your school, your soon to be school aged children. At least your oldest is you know currently soon to be you know, absorbing what's going on in uh, in anti woke Florida. But all jokes aside, though, how are you and the family doing? Seriously, we we talked about the anti woke uh, stuff. I hate that freaking term so much. Oh, it drives me crazy that that word. And you know, it was funny. Just real quick on a side note, um, when we had Representative Seth Moulton on, love him, love the team over there, Team Moulton. He obviously won his reelection campaign, um, but he said something about you know the Democratic Party, and he used the word woke, right? That like, like not everybody on the moderate Dem side is as woke as the progressive side. And what did I say to you after that interview? Off, I was like, I just hate that. I love the everything about the interview except one part. Him using that word, it drives me nuts. Uh, Florida's great. Uh, well, go ahead. You wanted to chime in on that on the on the woke. Why? Word. Yeah, just real quick. What it? I mean, it, it triggers me too because of of where we are with that term. But what gets under your skin about that word? It it triggers me from the standpoint of it's now an all encompassing term for people that don't understand certain things that are going on so like they when you say the word woke and then whatever you follow with afterwards in the subsequent sentences will indicate to me whether you watch a certain network and you just pick up on the buzzwords and repeat the rhetoric and also if i follow you on social media and you post a lot of the same things that people from those networks are posting it just shows to me that you're not free of thought you are capturing and you're, you have great comprehension, I guess, because you're capturing everything they're telling you and they keep using that word. But it, it's, it's kind of what follows the word woke. So like when the representative said it, he started talking about moderate democratic policies and reaching across the other side of the aisle, right? Certain things that will impact, but doesn't necessarily mean the government will pay for all of these single things, right? Like that, I think that was more or less his point. I don't want to use, I don't want to speak for him. But when he said that, the word made me cringe, but then the sentences afterwards just made total sense. He talked about infrastructure, if you remember, and he said how Democrats didn't know how to message around infrastructure, right? They said it was transitory at the beginning. It's like, it's not true. Like we had to, we have to start taking account for what we do. So when somebody uses the word woke here, like Ron DeSantis used in his speech, in his closing speech, it's, it's just, it's nonsensical. He's using it now because he knows it'll rile up the people that voted for him, which is true. Um, so it just drives me nuts because- Using the word is a la- is laziness to me. It's you don't understand something, so I'm just going to encompass it with this term. And then everything I repeat afterwards is something I heard at 8 p.m. on Fox News, at 7 p.m. on Fox News. And I've, sh- I've shared with you text messages I've gotten from friends, just like you have done the same with me. And this is not an R&D thing, right? This is, this is just terminology, right? Like one, one channel or a few channels are using that term to kind of as an all-encompassing thing. And they're not really understanding not only what the term means, what it's used for, but it's the sentences after, right? And that's that's what bothers me. Did you have something on that? Did you have a reason why it triggers you? It's pretty similar. Um, yeah, wow, you really said that perfectly well. It is, it's funny because it, I'm liking it too when people say, I don't mean to be racist, but dot, dot, dot. And what they say is racist. Right. Um, yeah, when I hear woke, I'm always I'm bothered by the fact that we're so far removed from when that term really began, you know, which was around the Michael Brown protests in Ferguson, um, the murder of Trayvon Martin in Florida, and this conversation about like kind of waking up to what's going on with with black people in, in, in America, which in and of itself felt like an important conversation to have. Now it's become the catch all for any time you feel that. A policy at work is too pervasive or there is a law from the government uh, that feels too intrusive. It's all and it has anything to do uh, with, you know, with gender or race. It's considered woke. And it's to the point where I agree with you. It's it feels very watered down. So even when Ron DeSantis says that, 
I'm not sure what you mean because right. you know, I'm looking at a state where you're going to punish people for talking about um non non-heterosexuals, right? And like that seems very not inclusive to me. Like that seems that seems very di- dictatorial actually. Um schools, you know, school boards both in Florida and other parts of the country. I was just in the bookstore today. And it's funny because it's flipped it's on its head, but now I'm seeing books that are banned. You know, one of which was a was a graphic novel that my daughter read. And I mean, I've I've read it with her. I don't know what would necessarily make it banned, but I am familiar with this book being banned. And that that doesn't seem anti-woke to me. That just seems fascist, actually. You know, at the same time, too, do I think that the conversation from what we had in 2015, 2016, or even before that, you know, with Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, are we still having that same conversation as a country? I don't know. But do I consider this like wokeism gone, you know, wild, like, like cancel culture? I don't think so. I think just some people are just don't want to have the conversation or something isn't egregious enough that they feel it should warrant a conversation or a review of policy or law as it relates to, to gender you know, or race. And I feel like we should always have that conversation because that's just endemic of of this country. Yeah. Um, but that's all it can be is a conversation. And you know, if it becomes a matter of law, well, then that's a matter of the state or the place that you live in. But when we see a a reaction to it, like we have seen in Florida, and that reaction is is very exclusionary, that does raise an alarm. So where I get triggered is that we're past the point of nuance. And now we're just in a place of, well, I don't want to have that conversation. That feels too woke for me. And when I hear that from someone like you, I'm like, well, I, I know where you stand socially then. And I, I I think you're being minimalistic in a conversation that's always important to have, I think, uh, or I, fe- I, I know. Um, and it feels very, yeah, it just feels minimalistic. It feels like you're willing to write off a dialogue that we, pro- that we should be having. And it, it, honestly, it's dismissive. And the the corollary to it, the the response to it, comes from a, a really hateful place. Yeah, in some instances, I will I will agree with that. I think it's like a condiment, right? You you I mean, you can't put mayonnaise on everything. Like, and I think woke right now is is the mayonnaise of we're just slapping it across everything. We leave it there because it feeds perfectly into our first segment here about where we are election results wise and how the nation spoke out uh, in different states as to. Do they want these type of policies led by Democrats or do they want them to be led by Republicans? According to the Associated Press right now and NBC News, the current projections are that the Senate will go to the Democrats as Catherine Cortez Mastro wins her seat in Nevada. Now that the the 99% of the precincts have reported in in that race in Nevada for the Senate against Adam Laxall, but he's she's only leading by about 6,500 or so votes as of this taping. So I'm not sure Nevada's recount laws, but that could go into effect. There's key races still going on from the governor's race in Arizona. We know in December there's going to be the Georgia runoff race. There's house seats that are still up in California, in Colorado. And if you don't know Colorado election law, Colorado, you can cure your ballot up until November 16th. And if it's under a certain amount of votes um, between the two candidates, it can go into a recount like Lauren Boebert's race is currently under 1,200 votes right now that separate the two of them. So that could potentially go to a a, a recount. Um, Take a listen to what NBC News said recently. Steve Kornacki, if you don't know, the famous man with the khaki pants, he said this on NBC News in terms of the projections and where we are currently at this moment. 218 seats needed for a majority in the House, and we are now estimating that Republicans will finish with 219 that is down from our previous estimate which had them at 220 and i would stress the margin for error here is plus or minus four seats uh nick one thing i wanted to mention um that i found pretty interesting because people have been talking about this ad nauseum across the networks now um, obviously, we talked about in the last episode with Chad Pergram that we had on from Fox News, the senior congressional reporter. He does a great job covering all of this. But, you know, this whole uh, terminology around red wave, uh, where it came from, 
uh, all the networks talking about what was going to happen, pundits tweeting out, get ready for this red tsunami, red wave, red hurricane, whatever it is, anything in red. Uh, as a Scarlet Knight, the you and I both graduated from, I don't want to hear any more about red wave, whatever it is, and we hate these terms. But um, because of this red wave not actually happening, at least to the effect that people thought where the House would at least flip 20, 30 seats in their direction and potentially win the Senate, where Mitch McConnell would become the Senate majority leader. That stuff hasn't happened yet. And voters really spoke in different places about why. They talked about different issues that were key to them, and then they went to the ballot box and voted as such. And the big thing was these Trump-inspired bids for different folks in different key positions in government to take over, all of them lost. A lot of election deniers, and again, another term that I hate because it's not people that are denying the results of election, it's people that don't believe in logic, reasoning, true fact, right? Like, not your fact, not my fact, the actual fact. This is how many votes are counted. These machines are not rigged. They're not connected to the internet, things like that. Um, in Arizona, we saw in Michigan and Nevada, America first candidates were all nominated for different positions from secretary of state to other ones that oversaw elections, every single one of them across the ballot loss. And I heard representative Liz Cheney mention something recently at a conference that she spoke at as to why that could have been. Take a listen to this. I do think it was the American people generally sending a message. They want to pull us back from the brink. They don't want this nation to go you know, over the edge, to go into the abyss. And we have to make sure that that you know the incentives are there to elect the kind of people who who are going to make sure that they're part of the the solution. To clarify, the only the only candidate that was part of this America First umbrella, I'm using air quotes for those of you not watching on YouTube, uh, was Diego Morales, who's a Republican in Indiana in a Secretary of State race. He actually won his seat, so he was the only one. To not uh, to not lose. Um, obviously, you know, in your state, Doug Mastriano, who was an election denier, you still have Carrie Lake that's out there in Arizona that has said, you know, she won't accept results of the election. How is Katie Hobbs winning? She's been in the basement the whole time. So you have a bunch of candidates across different places, but in key states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, where a lot of this falls, you know, and then governors that were Republican-led governors before, now Democratic-led governors in those states like Maryland, like Massachusetts. Um, we've seen this where uh, anybody who was kind of had a Trump-inspired bid uh, or at least uh, kept echoing the sentiments of the former president in terms of the electoral process and how elections are stolen and rigged here, most of the majority of them lost in key races. Um, you just heard everything there. Kornacki's breakdown, uh, where we are at this moment. Liz Cheney's obviously take, uh, and we know how she has kind of stood on this and lost her primary. And, and it's cost her, you know, a political career right now for the current moment, because she's decided to go against her party and say, no, 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 the uh, the elections are not stolen. And, and there's a democratic process here. And we have to keep Keep it and uphold it. Uh, what are some of your takeaways as election month continues now where we still won't know the future of everything, but at least right now it's shaped to be where the Democrats still control the Senate and we don't know what's going to happen with the House and what this will mean going forward for President Biden and his agenda to get pushed through? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things come to mind. You know, first, um, just just because it's been sitting on my mind a lot about youth turnout, uh, I've obviously on the show was critical. Uh, of young voters uh, this year to the tune of 27 percent of 18 to 19, 18 to 29 uh, year olds voted. Uh, and it made a huge difference. Um, you know, the other thing that comes to mind, too, is, you know, like when I think about what a lot of these candidates ran on, they were very reactionary. So it was about the 2020 election. Well, like, well, who cares? Right. Like we Biden's president, like there's nothing you're going to put forward that's going to overturn an election like that's silly. Um, the economy and the thing with the economy was, well, high gas prices. Well, gas prices continue to go down um, inflation and inflation continues to also go down as well. Again, still way too expensive. Um, but the problem was every one of these candidates, you know, I'll use Dr. Oz because I saw a lot of his ads and I saw the debate with uh, now soon to be, you know, Senator like well, now Senator like John Fetterman. I hear, you know, all these this fear mongering, you know, that works for 
you know, the, the, the Republicans. And I don't hear a lot of solutions. And I've pointed people in when I've had arguments with friends about like, go to the house website, you know, go to, you know, Kevin McCarthy and his team put together a website that was supposed to provide some messaging that was supposed to inspire voters. And it, it just didn't. And because if you look at the website, it's just reactionary nonsense. It's not telling you, you know, if we are back in power, here's what we're going to do. And one of the things that Kevin McCarthy did say they were going to do was start having all kinds of ridiculous hearings to basically put Democrats under the microscope. You know, if and one of the reasons I would argue that, um, you know, that Dr. Fauci you know, retired was that, you know, had there been a Republican victory in the House, and it looks like there may likely be, but that's now becoming likely as opposed to certainly. Um, was I don't think he or any other person wants to get under these ridiculous hearings that McCarthy would have put forward. And that was the kind of quote unquote policy that Republicans are putting out there. And I don't think that message landed. You know, lastly, the thing that comes up too is, and like we saw in 2016, polling data just wasn't accurate. You know, in 2016, what we realized was that we had a lot of voters who were outwardly, well, I'll likely vote Hillary, you know, or I won't vote for Trump, but secretly we're going to vote for Trump. Um, in 2022 with young voters, and this is true for myself, and I'm certainly not a young voter at this point, you're getting all these phone calls and all these, you've gotten these too, Mike, um, you know, from all these pollsters and trying to get information. And if I had to really do the math for how many times I picked up the phone or responded to a text, I'd probably say it was probably less than 10%. So if that's happening to anyone who's ever given any money, you know, to anyone who, you know, through social media or whatever has been engaging, you know, with the, the political process and your number has been, you know, put out there somewhere, right? A lot of us were just not reacting. So this polling data starts to look very fallacious. And on top of that, you know, you have what I, what may, I don't, I'm hesitant to say that conservative outlets made up the red wave thing. I mean, yes. I mean, Fox makes up stuff during prime time, and it's true. The other networks tend to be, um, you know, can take things to the extreme. That's what prime time, quote unquote, news is these days, right? But I felt that momentum too. I certainly had the sense that if the economy didn't recover, and Republicans, by and large, in a midterm election, always show out. 1994 being one of the most recent and most important examples of that. Um, I expected that. I expected House seats to be lost. And the Senate was kind of like a coin flip on where we we're going to go. But, you know, I think a lot of factors played out. And I, I bring up the polling thing because it continues to bring up this question about, you know, now we have another generation that, um, you know, we can't necessarily trust what polling data we get because they themselves are not responding like me. Like I'm not numbers. I don't know, you know, to a 21 year old. What are they doing with a, an unrecognized cell number? First off, they don't pick up their phone. Like everything's texting these days. And I'm not trying to sound get off my lawn, but I'm the same way too. Um, so a lot of factors that just gave us an erroneous argument or an erroneous forecast for what we're seeing now. Uh, and you know, again, we're gonna see what happens with Arizona's governor's race, but right now, you know, Carrie Lake is is behind, you know, Katie Hobbs. And it seems like the reaction of just election deniability, yeah. It's like the uh, guy who'd said, like, the rent is too damn high. Like there was, a, there was someone running for either governor or mayor of New York City, and that was his entire platform. The rent is too damn high. Right. And if you ask the person, well, what would you've done to reduce rent? Crickets. And I think that's, I think that's what the correlation I'm going to draw. Yeah. <laughs> between what Republicans were trying to sell versus like rent is too high, guy. Yeah, I think the last time, back to your data points, like the last time. Uh, the, the midterms fared out well for the the current president was in 02. Everybody points back to how Bush fared and didn't lose as many seats as expected. But again, coming off of 9-11 and his approval rating, obviously, was through the roof. And any Democratic or Republican strategist will tell you about that's maybe more of an anomaly. Obama lost seats during his midterm time. Uh, Trump, obviously, in 2018, lost seats here. So the fact that the map even looks the way it looks right now and how many things are in play for both parties, to be honest with you, at least uh, for the for the uh, the Senate is pretty much decided. But for the House, both parties still have a chance. One more point. Yes, Mrs. Ray, before we go to break here. Yeah. You know, I think one of the other things to take note of is that Tuesday night, Tuesday night feels like a mini Super Bowl for me. And I think you might have felt the same way, too. 
Um, although I think you're you, you you like most intelligent people reserve judgment because you know you're paying attention to the political process, and I and I tend to have a little fun with this. Um, Tuesday's not the answer, folks. You know we've been seeing this for a while. Election results take time; they get counted. If I sound like someone who <laughs> represents Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, please understand. Um, this is not going to get resolved Tuesday night. And I feel like in the past, it seemed like we used to be able to wrap it up. We had a good sense. Um, and that's just changing now. You know, pe- mostly because I think more people are voting. So it's taking longer to count. And in some cases like Pennsylvania, we can't count everything until you know election day. So it just takes longer to process that and yep. criticize it all you want. But the prognostications and the the doom and gloom or the high praise, whatever on the Tuesday night cycle of you know primetime programming we're seeing is not reliable now. And as I say all this again, Arizona's at 93% reporting. You know, the numbers between the two people running for governor is so small, and we're just still waiting. We just heard about Nevada, I think it was Saturday afternoon yeah. that it was declared for Mark Kelly. So no, you know, Mastro, but again, this Mastro. runs up. Master. Thank you. It runs up against you know what we think about with 24-hour news. Like it has to be now, it's got to be fresh, it's got to be in your face, right? Um American politics or at least our system of government is not built that way anymore. And yeah. we're going to have to figure that out. I think the one thing that I've learned is more uh pundits that do uh election results names. There was a there's a I don't think he's a democratic uh, prediction model guy, but this guy, Christopher Boozy, he's been mentioned a few times on a bunch of different airwaves, he's got a huge following now, and he does his own data modeling projections, and he has not been wrong yet on any single thing, and he's the only person to have the Democrats winning the House to 219 to 216. Uh, everybody else from the Kornackis of the world, other folks on CNN, Harry Enten, our buddy who's a forecaster and data analyst, a lot of people are, you know, playing the numbers game, right? Seeing what comes back in from returns, seeing how many registered voters there are, and then the algorithms take effect as to, okay, well, here's the prediction model. Here's how many votes are still left. Here's how many, how, how much of the precinct has reported in, blah, blah, blah. And then they let that data play out. This guy's modeling. I don't know what it is, but he has not been wrong yet. And it's, I think I'm learning more data model experts' names than I am uh, of the candidates, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We leave it there because in our next segment... Nick and I are going to dive into the world of Kyrie Irving. If you don't know anything about the NBA stars battle with not only his employer, but also the truth. We're going to talk about that in our next segment when we come back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. To the break. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. The presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, their passion has been bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world. You know how much Nick and I drink coffee. We love it here. I'm a K-Cup guy. Nick's that French press guy over there. Uh, Right, Nick? You're a French press guy. 
I am, but I've also used a, a, a Chemex. I've also used right. a percolator like most people do. Yeah, but regardless of your type of grind, Fresh Roasted Coffee's got you covered. In addition to single origin blends, Mike's a Colombia person. I'm a Sumatra drinker. They've also got a variety of flavors. You also get sampler packs too. I'm all about the sampler packs. But most importantly, let's say coffee's not your thing. If you're a tea person, mm -hmm. they got you covered too, That's Mike. Right. They cover all their bases. So go there and learn about your your learn about your coffee style. You go there to a three, four question quiz. You'll find out what coffee is recommended for you. So you're learning something in addition to buying something. But as a listener, there's an additional benefit for buying from Fresh Roast Coffee. Look at this man. This man sets up the softball. I hit it out of the park. It is true. Um, if you take that questionnaire that's on their site, it's awesome. And it gets you right into the flavor profile that, that matches you best with the coffee that you should be buying. But you want to enter a promo code at checkout. Put all that stuff into the cart there. Enter in the promo promo code, excuse me, can we get 20? Can we get 20? This offer is valid for new fresh roasted coffee and positively tea customers. You're going to get 20% discount on any and all coffee and tea unless otherwise specified. Code is not valid for branded merchandise or coffee gear. One use per customer. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, Nick, uh, you know, we never really talk sports topics on this show unless they kind of tend to cross over into the world of news and politics and maybe from a societal and cultural standpoint. I can count on my hand the number of times you and I have talked about something in the sports space. Jack Del Rio, when he made comments about January 6th and the dust up at the Capitol, we talked about John Gruden because you and I are both Raiders fans, but also that crossed over, right? 650,000 emails found in an investigation being performed into the Washington commanders. And here is a few emails outlined from John Gruden, who's not a Raiders employee coming to surface because he was talking to a commander's general manager at the time. And in those emails, he had some choice words that had homophobic slurs, racial slurs, Within them, he ended up uh, resigning from his position with the Raiders. So we have talked uh, in the sports term terms about you know certain things, Ima Udoka and the scandal with the Boston Celtics coach as well. Uh, obviously, workplace inappropriate relationship he had with a staffer, Brett Favre. We had the reporter on who broke that story. It's very rare that we talk about these things unless they tend to dominate the headlines. And you and I haven't even talked about Kanye West. Maybe one or two times we've mentioned him on the show, and it kind of crosses over into. Kyrie Irving, because a lot has been made lately about the Brooklyn Nets star and what happened with, if you don't know, history wise, he's had a few run ins with scandals and telling the truth from obviously saying that the earth was flat once upon a time on a podcast to his stance on the covid vaccine and not getting vaccinated when New York City had a strict vaccine enforcement. And obviously he couldn't participate in Brooklyn Net games that were home because he refused to get vaccinated. He could play when they were on the road. Some people felt that that would fracture the locker room because of this half in, half out type of approach that he had to now where we are in present day, where over the last couple of months, Kyrie shared a, vi a video or at least a link to a video that's on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary, excuse me, not a video uh, called From Hebrews to, Hebrews to Negroes. Um, and I don't know the, the rest of the uh, subtitle text there of the actual documentary, but it's available on Amazon Prime. He tweeted out a link to it. A lot of people that have watched the documentary have said that it has anti-Semitic tropes that are featured in the film. Um, fast forward to Brooklyn Net owner Joe Tsai saying that he was very disappointed in Kyrie Irving. They gave him a chance to apologize, donate money to the Anti-Defamation League, which he did, but he didn't really in his media availabilities you know, apologize, kind of double down. I'm my own man. I'm free thinker, X, Y, Z. In turn, the Brooklyn Nets decided to suspend him for five games, conduct detrimental to the team, whatever it is that they have as a team violation policy. And Kyrie is still not returned yet to action as of this taping with his team because he has a set of requirements that he needs to pass to be able to return to play basketball. The reason I wanted to talk about the topic is not because and maybe you could get into some of this. I'm not going to. There's two different ways to look at this. A lot of people are talking about the anti-Semitic remarks part 
and then conflating it with the plight of African-Americans in this country. I don't necessarily want to get into that from my standpoint. What I want to get into is a private company and an employee that violated something that is a company policy, whether it is or not, we have never seen his employment contract, but as somebody who has worked for an NBA franchise or two, I have seen employee contracts for certain players. So there are certain things that are outlined in there that you can and cannot do, right? If you violate them, it's a private company. And in those terms of agreement, they could suspend you with or without pay. Uh, there's a, a bunch of different processes. It's not the same thing as Nick and I working for our respective employers. However, here's where it is similar. If that employer has a set of demands that you have to do to return to employment, you got to follow them, right? It's real simple. You have to follow them. Kyrie has been given these set of terms and he has to follow them or he doesn't. And hear me out on why he doesn't, because this is what I've been seeing play out across the media landscape. There's been some conflation of, like I said, the plight of African-Americans and now this individual being singled out and targeted for not only exercising his free speech and promoting something that is on a platform we can get into, should that be on Amazon Prime or not, but they're conflating it as to saying he's being singled out and it's unfair and unharsh. I want to play a couple of those. I'm going to wrap up and, and, and give my final take on it. And then Nick, I want to hear some of your thoughts. First, I want you to hear from Shannon Sharp and Nick Cannon in this order. Shannon Sharp Obviously, he's the host of Undisputed, or a co-host, excuse me, of Undisputed over on FS1. He said this recently about Kyrie Irving. Once the Nets handed down the five, six things that Kyrie has to do to return to action. Take a listen to this. When blacks have a misstep, it seems like we suffer the harshest penalties. It seems like other groups offend blacks, okay. and they never suffer the penalty that Kyrie and Kanye have suffered. I remember when, when uh, uh, Bob McNair said what he said. What did they do? They went and trotted out one of the most prominent black coaches in the circle. Mm-hmm. And ain't nobody said, well, when he said well, the, the Bob McNair that I know, that's not in his heart. Nobody said, hey, Tony, he's going to speak like that in front of you, like you just said about Kyrie to Adam Silver. And the movie is saying white Jews invented the Holocaust and six million Jews didn't get killed. OK, I, I know that isn't right. Right. There's a gigantic historical record. Jewish people know when you dehumanize us this way, we know what's around the corner. So in that same statement as those are the tropes that dehumanize Jewish people, the same buck breaking. What's that? I don't really know what that means, to be perfectly honest. The slave masters would bring the buck, the one that gets out of line. So all the other slaves would see lash after lash showed them the power to set an example. This is what you must do to fall in line. So when we see the six things that Kyrie must do to get his job back, that's dehumanizing. All right. So a a little bit there of two different takes and perspectives, right? Shannon talking about that this seems to when when black folks do this versus when a white person does this, it's not equatable and blacks are maybe punished more harshly. Nick Cannon taking it a step further, comparing it to slavery and buck breaking and making an example of somebody. This is where it gets tough for me because, you know, and I've mentioned that my father you know, who is Afro-Cuban and uh, the slave passages that happened in Cuba uh, in the 1800s, uh, great, 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 you know, ancestors of mine were a part of that, right? And and I, I, I in, in the one sense, you know, it, it, I don't know if empathy is the right thing to say here about, you know, the passages of slavery and the plight of African-Americans and things that have happened to Black people in this country. But to equate it to a private employer telling a guy making $33 million a year that he needs to do certain things to return to the workforce, I don't think is equatable in this situation. And this is just strictly for me off of talking about it realistically from this sense. This is a private employer. This is an NBA franchise. It's a game played by kids that are now played by adults to help provide for their families, their communities, whatever it is. They're being paid millions of dollars to not only play basketball, but also they can exercise whatever freedom of speech they want with their platforms to discuss whatever they want to do. So from that perspective, I get Kyrie maybe wanting to say, hey, I have an option here to kind of elevate whatever it is I want to elevate with my platform. 
and you're limiting me from that perspective. Well, Kyrie, I have news for you. Unfortunately, uh, that is true. You are limited by what you say as you are working for this employer. It's probably written somewhere there within his employee contract. Because I want to stick to the specifics of this. This is employer-employee. This is not anything beyond that. I can't get into, is this making an example of another African-American male? Is the punishment, and Shannon said in the clip there about Bob McNair, if you don't know who Bob McNair is, Houston Texans owner that originally had said something in relation to the players union and saying that we can't let the inmates run the asylum, which has some tropes that equate back to you know, uh, black and brown people taking over and running the entire NFL. And so he was just like, we can't have that happening here. It's a, it's a, it's an old trope. You can talk about it further, Nick. I'm sure you, you, you know it more in depth than I do, but um, I just want to stick to the employer employee part of this uh, for me uh, personally, because these things are not equatable. I'm hearing a lot of hot takes and I'm, I'm not seeing anybody talk about the facts that live within Kyrie Irving and his return uh, to form. I don't want to even go back into the historical books of, even though I gave it to you for context of how Kyrie uh, said the earth was flat and got, you know, criticized and made fun of for that comment that he made on a podcast, his vaccine stance, which is his right. He doesn't want to get vaccinated. Okay. But you work for an employer that has a return to work policy that keeps their employees safe in a state that also has mandates that say, you don't have to get vaccinated, but you can't work here if you don't get vaccinated. It's real simple. You can, you are free to get another job. Just like Kyrie is free to sit out, similar to how he did with the vaccine, free to sit out right now, this final year where he's being paid $33.3 million by the Brooklyn Nets. If he wants to sit on this stance of, hey, that was my platform. I posted a link to something. I believe in this documentary. I don't believe I'm anti-Semitic. He can, he can do all of that. In this country, you are free to do all that. Anybody telling you that you're not is, is lying to you. However, it does not mean that the people that do business with you have to agree with you. And your employer that pays you, that has you out there front-facing to not only fans, customers, things that bring in money into their ecosystem, they don't have to agree with you. And if these six items... The six items that I haven't even mentioned here as to what he has to do to return to action are, are things that you have to do to do that. Working for a private employer, you have to do that. And everyone is kind of circumventing this by, I think, false equivalencies of, well, this wouldn't happen because this white guy did this and nothing happened to him. Or this guy's comparing it to something that happened during slavery and making an example of somebody. The things are not comparable. These are different errors in different time periods, in my opinion. And in my estimation, if we get to the employer-employee part of this, and a legal analyst we will have on in the coming weeks to talk about a couple other legal uh, notes around the country, but anybody with a legal mind that analyzes employee contracts uh, across states, across whatever it is, will tell you that there's workplace policy that Kyrie probably has in his contract, similar to you've seen other players and notable athletes violate something in the offseason as part of their employment contract and get suspended by their team. They get fined by the team, whatever it is. Some of them have gotten released by the team because of X, Y, Z. It's all in there. And Kyrie, in order to return to his team, if he has to follow that, he has two options. He can sit out or he can quit his job like everybody else can do. You are free to say whatever you want to say. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom of reach. Nick, I've said all of that. And I think that um, this, is, this is tough for me because I'm hearing people make these equivalencies that are not comparable. Because at the end of the day, similar to this show, I want to get back to right, wrong, fact, fiction. Forget about what's in the documentary. Forget about how he promoted it and posted it and wanted to play the semantics game of like, I didn't promote it. Well, you posted the link on your social media. Let's get back into right, wrong, fact, fiction. He works for a private company. He's getting paid X, Y, Z. They tell him to do this, to come back. He's got to do that to come back. He doesn't want to. He has two options. They could, they could terminate him or he could quit. It's, it's very simple. I, I don't understand why people are not getting this. 
maybe you have a little bit more layer of depth here. This is your team after all, and you've been following Kyrie for a while. What are some of your takes on the Kyrie Irving situation? Yeah, I think the um, the buck busting thing from Nick Cannon is a bit of a stretch. Buck, break, <laughs> buck breaking, buck breaking, buck breaking. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a stretch. The, I mean, if you want to make the argument that one of the things about capitalism is that you have you know people in power that have the ability to exert their power over those who have less power, then I guess fine. Then you can, you know, quote something from, you know, Karl Marx's communist manifesto, I guess. Um, But it feels like a stretch because you do have, and I agree with you. I think you have an employee who, who stepped out of of line, who was out of bounds. I mean, no pun intended. Um, And this was a reaction. Stepped out of bounds according to them. Right. Like exactly right. That's your job. Like if they think you stepped out of bounds, that's your job. You can find another job. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. I, well, and also, I mean, could this also be tied to the fact that Joe Sai was fed up with what happened last year with the vax with the you know Kyrie not taking the vaccine? It might be. I mean, I think the team may be, you know, going above and beyond to make the argument for why Kyrie should no longer be with the team. Now, why they don't trade him or simply cut him? Well, I mean, I know why you don't cut him because I mean, with guaranteed contracts in the NBA, you're looking at a very large amount of money. You're just going to pay outright to someone that you don't longer want in your building anymore. So, but any employer, and this is true for the company I work for, listen, if I do something you know, inappropriate and my company sends me a list of six things I have to do, I'm not in position anymore to say, well, that feels unfair to me. The company gets to decide. That's what happens in this situation as, as, as it goes for a private company. Um, yeah, I just rolled my eyes when I heard Nick Cannon say that because I don't, I, I just can't take him seriously. Honestly, <laughs> um, you know, I think about in terms of you know players who faced um, punishment, you know, for for saying these kinds of things. I go back to 2011. You know, um, Kobe Bryant, you know, had had said an anti-gay slur, was fined hundred thousand dollars by the NBA um, because the commissioner at the time, David Stern, had found those comments to be wildly inappropriate. And Kobe had said in reference to a referee who had given him a technical foul. Well, Kobe paid the fine and then came out and said, listen, I was wrong. Like, I, I, you know, I shouldn't have said it. You know, what I said doesn't reflect my views. You know, yes, but you, you still shouldn't have said it. And, and Kobe owned it. Now, did he lose any playing time for it? No. Um, side, last note, year, side note on yes. that real quick. I believe the referee that he said that about was gay. Was, I think was so. an actual gay man. I think, I think so, totally yeah. Brother, so, yeah. And then I think of last year, you know, Myers Leonard had been a former player, now a former player of the Miami Heat, who was a forward white, um, who, while playing a video game, you know, online, um, had used anti had used anti-Semitic um, terminology or just said some anti-Semitic stuff, was suspended by the team, no longer plays. So let's compare what happened to Myers Leonard versus Kyrie Irving. And it's really a case of not so much Irving's race that plays a role, but Irving's stature. That's playing that that's making a major major. Sorry, I'm, j- I'm jumbling my words here, but who Kyrie is as a player is what matters here, because Myers Leonard is an OK NBA player. He's not going to make or break your franchise. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving will do that, um, and he's mostly known for breaking franchises these days, but. Leonard was suspended. Leonard's not been signed since. I think Leonard's playing in another country at this point. Um, you know, the Nets are just trying to go out of their way to, to make it really clear to everyone where they stand on this. You know, I think the, the thing that really stood out to me is why it took so long. You know, Kyrie's re- response when he was asked about, you know, support promoting an anti-Semitic film. Um, and this was from Nick Friedel at ESPN, who, and they had this, you know, very clear exchange, you know, and, and Kyrie was very dismissive of that, you know, whether I'm promoting it or not. And it was just silly. Um, at the end of the day, let me go back to something you said a moment ago about money, you know, and because people say this all the time, well, athletes make so much money and, you know, why they make so much money, folks. Let me just be very clear on where I stand on this. You're paid what someone's willing to pay you. That's how that works. So we could all be overpaid or we could all be underpaid. It's It's what people want to set your value at. Um, and that that is simply how it works in the United States of America. That be that as it may, part of an athlete's salary is also the visibility that that person brings. 
the reason you see players in the NBA and like we know so much about them, like why? Like we're talking about Kyrie Irving for comments he made, not his you know ability on a basketball court. That's part of your salary because you're a visible member of the community. You are a walking promotion. You know, we all think about Michael Jordan and McDonald's commercials, Gatorade, all that stuff. Michael Jordan was the face of the league. Now, Kyrie is nowhere near that stature, but he's certainly in the ballpark, though. You know, he's a player since he was drafted who is well known among players. I'll go so much as a fan. I'll say he's on the short list of, for me previously of players that if you know they're playing on a given night, you got to watch because it's the talent is just incredible. But what Kyrie said, and what he promoted was absolutely anti-Semitic. And I look at the comments from Charles Barkley, who was critical of the league. You know, it felt that the commissioner didn't step in and quickly enough, felt that the ownership of the Nets was way too quiet. So, so what does that say about Charles Barkley? Is it because like Charles is a racist for not, you know, sympathizing with Kyrie's situation? And to what Shannon Sharp had talked about, Bob McNair, I understand what he's saying. But understand, let's understand something about, about owners, not just NFL owners, NBA owners, MLB, and so on. Owners are judged at a far different standard, and it simply is what it is. And this is true in any company you're part of. As an employee, you are judged a certain way. If you are owner of said company, the judgment looks very different for you. And that, and if that's something that's just not to your liking, then I would suggest going on to another company. There's tons of um, examples of that, too. Tons. Yeah, I mean. Bob, Bob McNair, Jim Ursa. Um, Jim Ursa. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's on my mind right now. Yeah. Um, Daniel Snyder, right now. Most notably. Right. You know, so you have so many owners who've done such you know, awful things. But again, they, they're held to a different standard because they employ the commissioner, basically. You know, you get out of your heads, folks, about this idea of, well, why aren't owners punished the same way? And Shannon can be held to the same standard on this one. We don't have commissioners like, I'm going to sound like such a baseball nerd. Kennesaw Landis, right? <laughs> you don't have folks like that anymore that cast out players for gambling. If everything I'm saying, by the way, if you go watch, you know, uh, Eight Men Out, the film about the Black Sox, 1919, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, you had, a set, you had a set nerd. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well said. You know, commissioners work for owners. So you're not, get out of your head that Bob McNair said something that, you know, unless the other, at least 24 out of 32 owners say, hey, you stepped out of line. He's going to keep doing it. Right. You know, Robert Kraft, you know, recently got in a little bit of trouble and you can go look at what, what happened. You know, the owners didn't say anything. The commissioner didn't say anything. Maybe got a fine. I forget. Great but, point about Robert Kraft. Totally forgot about him. Le- yeah. Got a, arrested. Got, got arrested. arrested. And, and went out of his way to make sure the tape was never shown. Right. And if that had been an ordinary citizen like you and me, that's on TMZ tonight. But because it's Bob Kraft, he's got the ability to make sure that tape doesn't get released. Yeah. I mean, I just think that people are not thinking about things with respect to holistically and then really laser focused in on what is actually happening. And I think that's been the big issue with with Kyrie. No one's thinking about this. And I've seen people on my social media post. And there's a reason why I wanted to bring it up as as a segment for you and I, because I saw somebody in my family... Uh, up up north in the state here of Florida and saying, oh, I can't believe they suspended him all for speaking his mind. And I'm like, so you didn't understand properly because he can say whatever he wants, but that's his job. That's his job. Same thing for you and I, our job sees something that they don't agree with. They can editorialize it. It's part of the contracts. And again, I say this as somebody here that has seen an NBA contract in person. Okay, I you can look me up. You can Google me, Chuck. I have worked for NBA franchises. I have seen what an NBA contract looks like and what parameters are put in place for appearances, right? What you have to do, media availability. We just talked about that with Kyrie. All of these things are outlined in these athlete contracts of what they need to do, off-season regiments, where they're training, what they can and can't do from an exercise standpoint. People don't understand all of that. And so to equate it to, again, a a white owner not being disciplined the same or to equate it to slavery and slaves being made examples of, those are false equivalencies. Those are not the same things. It's 2022. 
You want to talk about the prejudicial nature of this, that he's a black athlete versus how a white athlete, like you mentioned with Myers Leonard, there's a perfect comparison. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with skill level. Kyrie Irving can turn around a franchise. Myers Leonard can't turn around anything. And that's why he is at home without a job, even though he's a 6'10 NBA forward who could shoot. That's the difference. It has nothing to do with race at that point. Because Kyrie, you can argue, again, taking out race, is still in the conversation for playing this year, either with the Nets or with somebody else, because of his skill level. So and one more thing before we wrap up here. Yeah, you know, I saw comments from, and this ties to the other part that's been driving me crazy about this, you know, this argument about what aboutism. You know, so, well, Kyrie does this. Well, what about this? So perfect example. So Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, a uh, friend of Kyrie's when they played in Boston together, you know, upon the situation Kyrie's dealing with. And actually, well, it was in response because Nike has basically ended their deal. You know, Nike has been putting has been putting out Kyrie's shoe. I think the most recent was the last one, actually, the Kyrie eight, um, you know, want to be sneakerhead. Well, kind of a sneakerhead here. So that's the stuff I nerded out on. Anyway, get to it. Um, what? Get to it, Mr. Severi. Okay, so, uh, but Jalen Brown, you know, his comment was, well, Nike has a stance here, but what about their stance about unfair work conditions? And he's right. You know, Nike, like a lot of companies based out of Southeast Asia, you know, have employment practices because they make these deals in factories that are unsavory. But what about doesn't solve anything? And I would also argue the fact that I've seen Jalen Brown wear Nike shoes. So where, you know, where was this energy you know, a couple of years ago? Um what about is something that just it just drives me crazy because it's, it's it's not getting to the root of what's going on. You know, you have someone who's promoting racist. And notice I said that word because I think sometimes when we say anti-Semitism, it, it hits people a little bit differently. It's just racism, folks. That's all it is. We're taking a look at we're we're criticizing a group of people. We're saying that they are less than, which is dehumanizing. And that's what that was. That's what that video you know, that Kyrie put out there was speaking to not put out there, but like promoted from Amazon. You know, we have to be very careful about that. Not even careful. We got to be vigilant that it doesn't happen. Never again is a serious. It's, it's serious. It's a real thing. Never again to all of this. Kyrie's lucky. He still has a job to what I was saying before about Myers Leonard to most of us. I know if I said those kinds of things, I'm out. And I've been with my company for 15 years, but they should let me go if I had put if I had said those heinous things or promoted something that is so antithetical, antithetical to what my company stands for. That's what the company's responsibility is for. Protect itself, protect its integrity, protect what it's all about. And if you gotta go as an example of that, that's that's just a you problem. Yeah, well said. We leave it there. Uh, we have got some fantastic guests coming up on the program uh, in the coming weeks. But if you want to email us, can we please talk podcast at gmail.com? You've got a take about what we just talked about with Kyrie Irving, anything on the election stuff, even a question you want to ask, you know, we'll read it on air. Email us. Can we please talk podcast at gmail.com video, head to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. Just type in, can we please talk podcast will pop right up. You can watch all the greatest videos that we have posted from this show account, our DC show part two with our roundtable of journalists talking about the state of journalism is up now. So you can go check out that latest one that just dropped on YouTube audio podcast platforms. You know, by now, Apple, Spotify, Google, please, please, please leave us a five star view and comment, please. I've seen a lot of people recently leaving some great comments. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. And I can't keep thanking you guys enough. You guys and gals out there that listen, that watch, that write in. As always, I am Mike Leon. Thanking you all for showing up on election day and also advocating for all of you to, unlike Kyrie, educate yourselves. I'm Nick Saveri. That's right. And educate yourself. We're going to get into that in another show. We'll see you everybody next time.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.